You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great Monday show for you. We've got our conference finals matchup set in the NBA, and it's a repeat of what happened in the bubble. Eastern Conference, Miami against Boston and Denver against the Lakers. We'll go over the Lakers game six victory over the Warriors, and we'll go over Boston's win yesterday over Philly to set up those finals matchups. Also going to talk about a little bit more about NFL schedule release, um, the college football playoff, something I didn't realize when I read you what their schedule is going to be like for the next two years. NHL hockey, best two words in hockey. Game seven tonight here in Dallas. Let's break that down. And we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about what went on in the NBA playoffs and what it means for some teams going forward. And we'll get to that momentarily. Okay, let's start out with Friday night's game six in L.A. Lakers over the Warriors, and they won handily. This was a, what, a 20-point win by them, and the Lakers advance to the Western Conference Finals as a seven seed. In the East, we have the two-seed Celtics playing the eight-seed. The West is the one versus the seven. But Miami is actually a surprise, let's face it. They should, as an eight-seed, very surprising that they're there. The Lakers, as we said going into the playoffs, while they were a seven-seed, they had the third-best record in the NBA, I believe, since the All-Star break. So they were just a seven-seed because they had been piss-poor for the first five months of the season since October, they weren't any good. And the trade deadline happened. They revamped their whole team, and they played well down the stretch. And we said this going in. These lower-seeded teams in the West, you can't rule them out. The Lakers were barely an underdog in the Memphis series, and they were barely an underdog to be Golden State. So even Vegas was well aware this Laker team could win. And I said it before Game 6 on Friday night. Friday's Sports Daily, I told you, I said, I think the Lakers are going to win tonight. I just think it's they, they have, they're too big for Golden State, and they did end up winning. But I also said it during the, that series, I think around game four or five, and I said, hey, I think whoever wins this Lakers-Golden State series is winning the NBA title. And that hasn't changed. I think the Lakers are going to win it all. And this isn't because I'm a Laker fan. I just think, number one, they are playing better than I thought they would having this team together for only about three, two and a half to three months with the changes that they made, picking up D'Angelo Russell, picking up Jared Vanderbilt, Malik Beasley, Austin Reeves coming into his own. I mean, this is a team that is one of the better defensive teams in all of basketball. I can make an argument that this Laker team is playing as good a defense, if not better, than the team that won the NBA title in the bubble in 2020. And you know who they beat in the Western Conference Finals that year? The Denver Nuggets. So while Denver has gotten better and more experienced, I just think in the first two rounds, not saying Denver isn't deserving. They were the best team in the West all season. But in the first two rounds, Nikola Jokic didn't have anybody that he had to worry about. He played the the Minnesota Timberwolves and he played DeAndre Ayton and the Suns. And DeAndre Ayton basically was taken off the floor because he couldn't guard Nikola Jokic. I think at least Anthony Davis can control Jokic. 
Jokic can still have 20 to 25 points, 8 to 11 rebounds, 6 to 8 assists, but he can't have these 35, 17, and 12 games that he's doing where he's completely controlling the whole game. If he does that, the Lakers are going to lose. I just think the Lakers don't have to worry about some gimmicky defense. This series is going to come down to Anthony Davis, period. If Anthony Davis plays like he's capable of playing, like he did in all the wins versus Golden State, the Lakers are going to beat the Nuggets. I just don't think the Nuggets are there yet. And I don't think the supporting cast around Nikola Jokic, while they have been playing great in the postseason, I also think they haven't been tested. I think this Laker team is got a mix of veteran and younger talent with obviously AD and LeBron being the vets. And then you've got younger, hungrier guys like D'Angelo Russell, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves. I think they match up fine. I Granted, I don't think it's going to be, you know, a four-game series, even a five-game series. I think this is going six or seven. But I think the Lakers are going to win. They've been basically unbeatable at home, but so has Denver. I don't think this is going to be where a home team wins all seven games. Denver has to lose a home game in the playoffs at some point. I think they split. I I, kind of see this as the same as I originally saw the Golden State-Sacramento series. I think the Lakers split in Denver. I don't know if they win game one or game two, but I think they get a split. I think they come home and they win two. Denver wins game five, and the Lakers win it at home in game six. Denver is not a great road team. They were three games under 500 on the road. And you can throw out the Lakers' road record for the year because for five months, that wasn't the team that's currently playing right now. So I think it'll be a great series. I I just think the Lakers are better. And I think that they don't have to throw up some gimmicky defense because they have a guy one-on-one that can play if not match what Nikola Jokic is doing on the court. And that's Anthony Davis. So, but if Anthony Davis picks up two fouls in the first six minutes of a game and is in foul trouble and the Lakers have to come off the bench with Rui Hachimura guarding Jokic, they're in big, big trouble. And again, it's just impossible to predict that kind of stuff. You know, I talked about this before the game on Friday night, and I said, look, When it comes down to it, it's just a matter of how are the referees going to call a game? And you go over the free throw discrepancy in that Lakers-Warriors series. Lakers won game one in Golden State. They shot 29 free throws to the Warriors six. In game two, the Warriors win by 20. Lakers shot 17 free throws that game. Warriors shot 16. So it was refereed even. Warriors win. Game three, Lakers blew out the Warriors. They shot 37 free throws. The Warriors shot 17. In a close win by the Lakers, Lakers only outshot them by 12 at the free throw line in game four, 20 to 12. Game five comes back to Golden State. What happens? Both teams shoot 15 free throws, basically called evenly. Warriors win by 15. Friday night, the Lakers shot 42 free throws, and the Warriors shot 14. Now, granted, I didn't think the Warriors were going to win, but 42 to 14, That just means every time the Lakers are going to the line, the clock stops and the Warriors don't have a chance to run. And that's what their whole game plan was. We have to get out and run and beat this team up and down the court. But when the Lakers are shooting 42 free throws, that's literally impossible. And that's what happened. They were down by 10 at halftime, 
and they never got under 10. I don't believe the rest of the game. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm saying, look, the referees, there's fouls on almost every play. I'm sure the referees could call a foul on Anthony Davis in the first two minutes of the game on uh, what Tuesday starts Tuesday night. I'm sure they could, but will they is a different question. So I, I just like the Lakers in the series. I like them in six. As for the Eastern Conference, I mean, it's not surprising, but when we went over this on Thursday or on Friday's podcast, when I said, look, Jason Tatum had a whole summer of hate coming at him if he didn't pull his head out of his ass in game six. And there they were down 83-81, game six in Philly, four and a half minutes left, and he was one for 14 from the field. And then he ended the game hitting four of five three-pointers. They win that game by nine, and then he comes home and drops 51 in a game seven. I mean, you talk about a legacy in a span of one quarter, one game and four and a half minutes of another quarter. Jason Tatum was literally going from one of the worst off-seasons a player could possibly have. Not that Boston wanted to run him out of town, but they would have been very upset with him and questioning whether or not this guy could lead them to a title to now they absolutely think Boston, you can just pencil them into the finals and see if they can, you know, win a title with those performances by Tatum in the last four and a half minutes, getting 14 points in the last four and a half minutes. No, sorry, 12 points in the last four and a half minutes of game six and then dropping 51 in yesterday's game seven where they blew out the Sixers and Yet again for the Sixers, I'm sorry, Sixer fans, but boy, oh boy. I mean, what do you do at this point? You have a coach, Doc Rivers, who is now 6-10 and 10 in Game 7s in his career. That's five more Game 7 losses than any coach in NBA history. And he's lost his last five Game 7s. He's also never won a Game 7 on the road. So it's like, are you maxed out with this guy? You know what you're getting with Doc Rivers. In the six years, the last six years, the Philadelphia 76ers have gotten to the second round of the playoffs five times and lost in the first round one time. They haven't even gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals in the last six years, and they've done a ton of retooling with their roster. Shit, in 2019, they had Jimmy Butler on their team, and they got rid of him. Ben Simmons, remember that whole experiment? You know. Got rid of him. I, it's just, I don't know what you do, Philly. Um, I really don't. I think Doc Rivers is gone. Uh, we've seen way less coaches. We've seen, we've seen coaches get fired, as Monty Williams did over this past weekend, who literally had the best winning percentage in the Western Conference in the last three years, get fired for going from three years ago, NBA Finals lost, last year, second-round loss to the Mavericks, this year, second-round loss, to Denver, to out of a job. Yet Doc Rivers, for the last three years with Philly, hasn't gotten out of the second round. So we've seen people get fired for doing less. So would it be surprising if Doc Rivers got fired? Not to me, it wouldn't. And I think you have to start there. Roster-wise, I have no idea what you're going to do. I really don't. And remember I said the Celtics, They've now won seven best-of-seven series when trailing a series 3-2. to two. That's the most in NBA history. Uh, they did the same thing last year against the Milwaukee Bucks. Series tied at two, lost game five at home, went and won game six on the road, came home and won game seven at home. I mean, it's just they've got that going for them, 
and the Philly Sixers, the 76ers are, I don't know if they're just cursed or what, but when they were up 3-2 after that win in game five in Boston, and Boston was installed as a three-point road favorite in game six, you knew something was up, and Boston won. Close them out in game six and game seven. So back to the drawing board for Philly. And Harden and Embiid were terrible. James Harden and Joel Embiid had more turnovers yesterday than they had field goals combined. They had eight field goals made between them and nine turnovers. Probably not going to get you many wins in a game seven. Just saying. And one final gambling note for the NBA playoffs as we head into the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. NBA playoff winners are now 42-7-1 against the spread. That's 84%. So basically, just pick the winner of the game, and you're going to probably win your bet. It doesn't matter what the point spread is. It's only come into play seven times in 50 playoff games thus far. So just keep that in mind. So remember when I was talking, uh, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, about college football and their new playoff system for twenty season 2024, 20, excuse me, um, yeah, 2024 season and the 2025 season. And remember I said the semifinal games are going to be on Thursday and Friday, the playoff, the semis are going to be on Thursday and Friday. Well, what I didn't realize was in the, so in the 2024 season, those playoff games will be in January of 2025. And those Thursday and Friday playoff semifinal games to determine who's going to the championship that Thursday and Friday is right before wildcard weekend in the NFL. So you're literally going to have a college football semifinal game on Thursday, a college football semifinal game on Friday, two, um, two NFL wildcard games on Saturday, three NFL wildcard games on Sunday and one on that Monday night. Five straight days of playoff football in 2025 and 2026 because it'll be January by that time those games roll around. So the 2024 season and the 2025 season, but those games will be played 2025 and 2026. So that is going to be... You might want to uh, inform your wives right now that, honey... Come January 2025, uh, there's going to be a five-day stretch in January where I'm going to need to be parked in front of the TV every night. And on Saturday and Sunday, the whole day. <laughs> just just throwing it out there. I'm, 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 I'm helping you guys. I'm, I'm telling you guys already here in May 15th of 2023, just lay the groundwork. Just lay the groundwork for the wifey that in 18 months from now, there's going to be playoff games in football for five straight days just get them ready for it as i talked about last week one of my pet peeves the nfl schedule release i had another one pop up this weekend that a team did you know what they did they had an article i don't remember what team it was i think most of them did something to this effect was (laughs) they wrote an article after the schedule came out and it said the biggest five games on the schedule for, you know, said team. (laughs) The biggest five games on the schedule? The reason why the NFL is so popular 
is because you only have 17 games. There's not a lot of room for error. Very few times can a, see a team start, I don't know, one in six and end up making the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl. You have a such a small amount of games. Basketball, 82. You can go through a bad stretch and still make the playoffs and do well. Look at the Lakers. The Lakers were 34 and 37 with 11 games left in the season, and now they're playing in the Western Conference Finals. You can't do that in the NFL. Sorry. Hockey, 82 games. Baseball, 162. You could have a fucking 10-game losing streak in baseball. As long as you play well around it, you can still make the playoffs and make a run. Football, totally different. You have 17 games, and teams are writing articles about what are the five biggest games on the schedule. How about the 17 biggest games on the schedule? Because they're all big. And yes, I understand they're going by the opponent's name, but hell, if you lose to a team you're not supposed to lose to, then that became a huge game on your schedule. So it's just the silliness around this NFL schedule release is driving me up a wall. However, I will say this. I might have jumped the gun on a couple of the NFL teams release videos because there were a couple good ones. To me, the Jaguars and the Titans had the best NFL release videos. There were some that were like, okay, the Broncos did the whole office parody. It's like, okay, I think I've seen the office parody though before in other things. Like it, it wasn't anything new that I hadn't seen before. Did you see what the Titans did for the NFL release? They just walked down Broadway Street in Nashville and showed people the logos of all their opponents and just said, what's the name of this team? And <laughs> and the people didn't know. you know. So that was, that was original. That was funny. And it was only two minutes. While the Jaguars was very funny and well-written, it was also eight minutes long. It's like, really? Am I watching a movie short here? Like, come on. Tennessee was tight, concise, to the point. It's like... <laughs> If you haven't watched it, go look at the Tennessee Titans Twitter account and look at their NFL schedule release video. It is really funny. Uh, So I take back what I said last week that they all sucked and it was pointless. That one was funny. And Jacksonville's was good. If you got eight minutes to dedicate, I'd watch it. It's worth it. It's funny. Everyone else, trust me, I didn't watch all 32. I wasn't going to do that. But I was aware of what some of the others did. And I'm like, okay. I watched the Broncos one. It was it was good, but like I said, office stuff. We've seen that type of parody before numerous times. And the big one tonight here in Dallas, Game 7, Seattle Kraken against the Dallas Stars. Look, I told you as the season and as the playoffs are going along, momentum means absolutely nothing when it comes to these teams. I, I just... It doesn't. It just like Dallas looked like world beaters after they won game five, and now here they are, and they go to game six, and they fall behind, and they're down you know, 4-1 in the second period. Again, the previous game's outcome has nothing to do with the next game's outcome. Do the numbers and statistics favor the Dallas Stars tonight? Yes. Let's read those off. 85% of the teams that win game five in a 2-2 series tie – end up winning the series. Stars won game five to go up three games to two. The Dallas Stars goalie, Jake Ottinger, as shitty as he was on Friday night, or excuse me, uh, Saturday night, 
He is 23-2-3 off a loss since last year's playoffs. I mean, that's a great, great percentage. He's never had – he's only had two back-to-back losses in a year. I'd say that's a pretty good statistic heading into tonight's game. And the other thing is they've only lost back-to-back games, the Dallas Stars. They haven't lost back-to-back games since March. So it's been two months since they've lost back-to-back games. And that's where you just get into this thing where – You get into the playoffs, and every time your team loses, the team that you're rooting for in the playoffs, every time they lose, you're like, oh, we're never going to win another game. We're done. And then every time they win, you don't think you're going to lose another game. And it's just, you can't take it that way. The numbers back up the Stars winning tonight. Doesn't mean they will. I want them to win. I'll be cheering for them to win. I'm glad it's a 7 o'clock start and not an 8.50 start like the first six games have been. But I don't know if they're going to. You just, you don't know. What I do know is whoever scores first is probably going to win because whoever scores first in the Dallas Stars games, 12 games they've played in the playoffs, six in round one against Minnesota and the six games against the Seattle Kraken, whoever scored his first has won 10 of the 12 games, no matter who that was, either Dallas or their opponent. And the two times that the team that scored first didn't win was Dallas in game one of both of those series. Scored first in game one against Minnesota, lost the game. Scored first, game one against Seattle, lost the game. Every other game, I went through it. First team to score has won. And also this, there haven't been any lead changes in any Dallas Stars playoff game except for those two game ones. Anytime someone's taken a lead, they've never lost it. Ten of the 12 games, you take a lead, And they don't lose it. So I'd say the first goal tonight would be very big, you know, but I want them to win. I'd love to see them win. I think they can win the cup, but just game to game, it's, it's so hard to predict. You just, as bad as this, the stars look terrible on Saturday. They're up three games to do two, a chance to close out the series, get to the Western conference finals. And they play like dog shit. Jake Ottinger was yanked with five minutes into the second period. I'm like, what? But it's just like, you know, just get him ready. And he's shown that losses and even bad losses where he looked terrible on Saturday doesn't affect him. 23-2-3 off of a loss. So go Stars tonight. If you're not interested in hockey, I'd say watch the game anyway. This is a game seven. And especially if you hear the Stars and Kraken have gone to overtime because then it's just nail-biting time. I won't have any fingernails if this game goes to overtime tonight. I really won't because every shot could end a series, you know, and it's just, ugh. So I'm fired up. Dallas is fired up. Hopefully they can get a win. And as I'm recording this, Vegas is up 4-2 on the Edmonton Oilers at the end of the second period. So seemingly if the stars win tonight it'll be stars in vegas in the western conference finals the eastern conference finals is carolina against florida two teams that i believe the stars can beat as well so that's why just get out of this series hopefully you can win beat vegas and hopefully you can win you know just don't know but you got to give themselves a chance and um uh, i i i've got my i've got my stars hat on tonight and hopefully they win this one. Anyway, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. 
Much appreciated. Pass it along to your friends. Let them know all about the Sports Daily. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.